What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita, here for part three of our six-part MLB preview series for the year 2022. And if you guys missed the first couple, we just did the AL East with Jonathan Jaggard and the AL West with Anthony France. Lots of uh, interesting perspectives along the way. And today we're getting into what's probably the most talked about division in the National League every single year. It's our friends out East in the NL East. We're going to be covering the NL East today, taking a look at each team. And we have two fantastic guests joining us here today uh, alongside each other. First time they've ever been on a podcast, I believe. So first, I'm going to introduce... The first person I'll let him I'll let him introduce the next person. So Jordan Morandini is here, and he is making probably his fiftieth appearance now on the Jack Vita show. Uh, but the first we've had in a long time. Jordan, welcome back. Yeah, Jack, thanks for having me. It feels good. It probably has been literally maybe a year yeah. since I was last on. Maybe the football playoffs. Of no, we did year. we did the NLE debate last NLE year. last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a while, but yeah, I'm glad to come on. And if I'm going to talk one topic, it definitely would want to be this one. So yeah, <laughs> glad to be on. And then, uh, yeah, yeah I, I brought my pops along with me this time around. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Mickey yeah. Morandini. Yes. He had to show those four uh, fantasy uh, football. Oh trophies. yeah. If you do see the trophies in the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's of course. We have Mickey Morandini, uh, who played on the 1993 Philadelphia Phillies and is a staple of Philadelphia, still works with the organization. He's actually down in Clearwater at spring training right now. We spoke with him last time during the postseason, had a good conversation with him. Mick, how's Clearwater treating you? Well, actually, Jack, I just got back to Philly. I was down there for Ooh. about 10 days. Um, but uh, all is well right now. We're loving our Phillies. and. Um, we're excited about the team, and I'm sure we'll obviously talk about them a lot more in a bit here, but uh, we're really looking forward to a, a good season. Mick, are you excited to be on the air with your son? I am. This is really – it is. It's the first time we've shared a podcast together. Um, so, yeah, I'm interested in hearing some NL East uh, views out of my eldest son here. <laughs> well, and I was telling Jack before we hopped on, I was like, we haven't really – and we, we decided not really to talk a ton of Phillies because we figured we were going to do it on this podcast anyway. So this is a, a good time to kind of jump into it. Yep. Yeah, perfect. And – but do we have any more Morandini callers that I don't know about here over the next hour? Is Griffin or Braden <laughs> uh, going to hop I mean, on? Gri Griff's in the room next door, but Jack, you know, Griff, I think Griff is scared of coming ever on this podcast. <laughs> I think you've tried two, two, maybe 10 times and Griff has never kind of jumped on. I so. guarantee you Braden's not jumping on because he yeah. probably could name three Phillies players. <laughs> <laughs> And Griff's not coming on unless it's like a Lost podcast or something, Jack. So if you ever want to talk Lost, maybe you can get Griff to hop on. <laughs> yeah. You apart said from that. Lost in 24, I think, yeah. or in, in yeah. How I Met Your Mother. Those that, are the three yep. topics you never that Sounds about, about right for him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he can't he's too he's scared of the heat. He can't handle it. <laughs> he so. doesn't want to hear your Cam Newton takes, Jack. It'll, it'll, <laughs> it'll hurt him forever. What takes, really? Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> okay, so. Let's get going here with the NL East. And Jordan, I, I know you did a little bit of prep work here. So I'm going to give you 
the creative direction here, which NL East team would you like to start here with? We're going to save the Phillies for a little later on. Yeah, why don't we just kind of make our way up from last year? I think the Nationals make sense to open up with Jack. Yeah, they do. So last year, Washington Nationals, the start of a rebuild really, cleared house at the trade deadline, said goodbye to a lot of guys. Now, of course, they have the uh, MVP runner-up Juan Soto. They're not getting rid of that guy, but they got rid of pretty much everyone else. Scherzer, gone. Trey Turner, gone. Schwarber gave him a really nice first half. They dealt him. So they started stockpiling for the future, and they finished dead last in the NL East last year, 65-97. and 97. What's your? Uh, what are we looking at? How did they improve or change their roster moving into 2022, Jordan? Yeah, so obviously their big acquisition was Nelson Cruz, um, and, I, and I think that was a good acquisition just because you got to protect Soto in some way, shape, or form in the lineup, um, and there isn't a ton uh, of, of power apart from him, really. Uh, I think they added, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they added two former Phils, uh, two that we either love or hate or do both at the same time, Jason <laughs> Hernandez and Michael Franco, two guys you coached, Dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cesar is a solid player. Um, he doesn't do the little things very well. I coached him for a number of years. He doesn't run the bases well. He's okay with the glove. Uh, but he's got a pretty good bat. Last year, I think he hit 25 home runs or something. I have no idea where that came from. But uh, um, he was a good acquisition for them. He gives them some speed, uh, some on-base percentage. Uh, with Mikel, um you know, he just never really panned out to be what we thought he was going to be. Uh, he had some decent years here in Philly, not great years. And uh, I don't think those two are going to be big difference makers for the Nationals. Um, for me, I think Washington right now is doing a huge disservice to Juan Soto. Um, you know, he's young, but he's in the prime of his career. And uh, for me, that's no time to rebuild. So, Cruz will help some, but uh, for me, um, uh, they didn't do much really this offseason. Um, they, they got rid of their best pitcher. They got rid of their second-best offensive player. Um, so I don't see them improving too much this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, it, yeah it's, I mean, it's a team that won 65 games a year ago, and you kind of look at the roster, and it's almost like did they even get better this offseason? Uh, not only, and we've touched a lot on kind of the, what the lineup may look like. I mean, apart from maybe Josh Bell, but the staff is extremely questionable too. Um, you know, when you're still running the, with your number one Strasburg with all the injury questions there, um, Patrick Corbin, he really hasn't turned out. And it, it was, I mean, he was somebody, what was it, two years ago that when he was a free agent, a lot of Achilles fans were kind of pushing for maybe making a move for Corbin and upgrading the starting that has not panned out very well for Washington. It was really bad last year. I think he gave up the most home runs in the league a year ago at 37 um, and had over a 5-5 ERA. Uh, and, Jack, even behind that, like the 3-4-5, there's not like some young guys, you know, who could potentially show potential. Um, you know, they brought in Annabelle Sanchez, who didn't even pitch in 2021. Um, so, really, I, I completely agree with uh, what my dad said there is I, they're really doing a disservice to Soto. And, and you know, obviously he's probably going to get his mega contract. But apart from that, uh, it's it's really a question of kind of where they're going here. Well, I don't really know what else they can do. 
I'll, I'll defend them a little bit because I think last year they set the table for, you know what, we're kind of at the end of our run here, but we're going to go for it one last time. They went out, they got Schwarber, they made the Josh Bell trade, they picked up John Lester. They were hoping for a lot more out of Patrick Corbin, and that's been, I mean, that's looking like an all-time gaffe in terms of a free agent signing. Like you said, if you look at the rest of their rotation past Corbin and Scherzer last year, you're looking at Eric Fetty, Paulo Espino, Espino, and Joe Ross. And those are all guys who had an ERA above four a year ago. And like you said, there's no young guy that's really coming up. They they traded Giolito several years ago, and they uh, who they even get? Oh, that was the that was the uh, Spanky Adam Eaton trade. So they gave up a lot to get Adam Eaton, and Giolito is now a frontline starter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. I mean, they went all in, they did all they could. And I think last year they put themselves in a position where they were trying to compete, but if things were going to go South, they were going to abort mission. And that's where they're at now. They're just going to have to start rebuilding. I think Nelson Cruz is a guy that they're probably thinking that they're going to flip at the deadline. Um, And that's probably what they're thinking. I mean, they're hoping they're in a position to buy low on a guy like Franco and a guy like Hernandez as well, for that matter. So yeah, this team is and then if you want to you want to throw in another guy, Victor Robles has not turned into the prospect that many people thought he would. He was a really high prospect last year bet at 200, really not much of a bat. He's great defensively, but I mean he gave them two home runs on a, a 203 batting average last year. There's not a lot with this Nationals team. Yeah, and I uh you know, there's only one way that the uh where they're at right now, there's only one way that they can get better. And that is going to be through the draft and through their minor league system. And, um, you know, they got so many holes right now in their lineup and they're starting pitching. And I don't even think their bullpen's that good that they're, they're probably going to be irrelevant here for a number of years and they better get Juan Soto signed or he's walking. Cause if, if they're winning 65 games for the next two or three years, when his arbitration years, are coming up and almost over. Um, he's not going to want to stay there. Jordan, I, sorry. I promise, I promise somebody will probably match what they can offer him as well. So, yeah. When, when that hits, if yeah. it comes down to a money factor, um, it'll probably be matched. And yeah, 100%. One guy, we, one guy we did not mention in the pitching rotation, Steven Strasburg, who didn't pitch really at all last year. Uh, is there a status on him, Jordan, when you're doing your research? Is he good to go? I don't think he's actually. No, I don't think no, so. No, I don't think. No, yeah, it looks like could be looking at a May, a mid-May debut, so he won't even be back. I don't think he's ever good to go. To be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. he hasn't been good to go for three years. I mean, he's got unbelievable stuff, but he he just can't stay on the field. Do you guys remember his rookie card? Like how high in demand that rookie card was, Jordan? Not specifically the card, but I know how in high in demand, like as a player, how yeah. talked about he was. Uh, he was supposed to be really the next big thing in terms of, uh, you know, that power pitcher type. Um, and it, just another one of those guys that has one injury. And ever since, you know, it, it's just a collateral. So sometimes there are guys who people see the potential with them and their rookie card goes for a crazy amount on eBay before they even play. And he was one of those guys. It was like a $1,200 rookie card before he ever made a start. Yeah, you're, st- you're starting to see that with Dominguez for the Yankees. He's the one right now that, that's jumping. But, yeah, that makes sense that Strasburg was like that. 
Yeah, the judge one shot up like that during his rookie year, too. That's another one. Yeah. So anything else you guys want to add on this Nationals team? Anything we should be watching for? They do have, let's see, I like to take a look at, they do have one prospect, Cade Cavalli. He's a right-handed pitcher who should be up at some point this year. He's the number 39 prospect, according to MLB.com. So I guess there is one young arm to keep an eye on, but past that, really nothing else coming up through the pipeline in terms of top 100 guys this year. Now, maybe there are some prospects that the Nationals fans like and the organization likes, but I'm expecting this to be a long season for the Nationals, and their over-under total is 71.5. Are we locking the under on this, guys? I am. Yeah, they, I mean, they, I, I can't trust Strasburg to get more than 10 starts, and um, if Corbin doesn't rebound – to be what he was in Arizona. Um, I don't know how they're going to win ball games, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, realistically, if, if Strasburg doesn't get healthy throughout the season, this could be one of the worst rotations in, in baseball. Um, yeah. So I, I think I'm also going to take the under there. I mean, they won 65 a year ago, and again, I don't I don't really think they got better this offseason. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because you're looking at 71, which would be a six-win improvement from a year ago. And we're talking about this team being worse than they were a year ago. We think maybe they're selling off more pieces at this deadline. Maybe Josh Bell gets traded. So I would, I think, I feel pretty good about that as an under. I think I would go in terms of if I had to give you a number, I'm going to go. They, I say they go the other way. I think they're six games worse this year. So that would make them a 59 win club this year. Yeah. I mean, the only thing is maybe Soto has a, an absolute superhuman year. Uh, and can kind of <laughs> carry them. But, I mean, he did it last year. He did it last yeah. year. He's runner-up for MVP. He very well could have won in terms of the numbers he put up. And uh, it, 65 wins. So I don't see that. How many wins, Mick? Uh, they're going to run into some wins. Um, I'll, I'll say 61 61. I, I, yeah, I just, uh, they're just, they're not a very good ball club. And um, I don't know exactly what they got prospect wise for the Turner and the Scherzer trade. I'm assuming they did all right in those trades, um, but maybe they got prospects that are a ways away. I'm not sure. But until those guys get up and um, they stay healthy in that starting rotation, they're just not going to win a lot of ball games. I mean, everything, everything has to go right for them to win ball games. So Josh Bell and Cruz probably both have to have really, really good power years. And then the two former Phils, maybe you need to put together career years as well, which would be vintage. Um, <laughs> would be vintage, you're right. Would be vintage, but I don't think it's going to happen. So I would say two games worse, 63. 63. So 59, 61, 63. We lock the under on this. And we move along to, I guess you want to keep moving upwards from the bottom, Jordan. That's how you want to do this? Yeah, that works. That works. All right. So jumping on the Marlins. Yeah. Give us a little introduction to the Miami Marlins this year, Jordan. So they won 67 a year ago. Um, key acquisitions, I think Solaire was probably their top, top acquisition this offseason. Um I don't think they lost a ton this offseason. I no. mean, Jeter's gone. <laughs> Jeter's <laughs> gone. Uh, Lewis Brinson's gone. Uh, Eddie Alvarez is gone. But they didn't really lose any key pieces. And, I mean, bringing in Soler. Uh, so that's pretty much the you know the quick little rundown on the Marlins offseason. Yeah, so last year, they were a team that 
Some people were expect. I think a lot of people thought they'd be better than 67 coming off the shortened 2020 season where they did win a playoff series in the expanded postseason. I think if you want to talk, I mean, we'll mention now we do have it. We did expand the postseason. So there is one extra team, which I actually think six. It's a pretty good number. I'm going to miss the wild card games. I wouldn't have expanded if it were up to me, but I don't think it's bad. Um, but if you were going to go to eight like they did a couple years ago, Miami made a good case for why you shouldn't do that because the teams, they they talk about, well, we want more teams to be competing. We want more teams to be going for it. And if we expand this postseason field, more teams are going to go for it. Well, teams like Miami that were not going for it lucked themselves in the playoff because more than half the teams got in the postseason. So I don't think that would be necessarily effective. Now, last year, there was... I think higher expectations in 67, like a lot of people expected them to still be the fourth best team in the division. Um, But they had a, they had a pretty bad year. They won 67 games uh, uh, last year. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I think they're better than Washington that they have much better young talent than Washington does. Um, they did sign Garcia too. I believe he came from, if I'm not mistaken, the White Sox. Um, so they have a couple of outfielders there that can hit for some power. Um, and, uh, I think they're well coached. I think Manning does the best that he can down there with the payroll that he's got. I'm assuming Jeter left because he was promised a certain amount of payroll after five years and he wasn't getting it. Um, they weren't going out and signing any big free agents and I'm assuming, uh, Jeter was like, all right, I'm done. You know, you didn't keep your promise. So I'm assuming that's why he is out of there. But I uh, actually have a different thought. I think Jeter is going to try to get in on buying the Rays when the Rays eventually get sold in the next five years. Um, he lives down. He has a house down in Tampa. He's buddies with Brady. Brady's living that house down there. Um, so I, I think he, he probably just saw he's he, I think Jeter, he's a smart businessman. I think he sees a better opportunity but yeah, he didn't that the stuff you're mentioning is all the reason why you would want to get out of that situation with the Marlins. Right. And uh, it's not going to be any better in Tampa unless they move because they don't draw there either. And their payroll isn't very high either. They're just so damn good at you know, <laughs> out a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. They scout better. They, they, you know, bring players Develop. along better and um, they do a great job managing what they have in the big leagues. Um, but uh but we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. But um, I think Miami is going to be, uh, you know, they're Phillies nemesis. They always kick our butts somehow. <laughs> um, but, you know, they got to play the Phillies, the Mets in Atlanta. What is that, 48 games or something like that? So um, I think they'll be a little bit better than last year. But once again, I don't see them improving a whole lot. Um, they didn't really improve the team other than all their young guys got a, a year in the big leagues and they should be better. But uh, um, when we go to numbers – we go to numbers. They won 67 last year. I'll probably give them. I'll probably give them a four to five game jump. Maybe 71, 72 wins this year. Fair. Um, I mean, definitely better than Washington. The big issue with this roster a year ago was the offense. Uh, I believe they were one of, if not the worst, offense in terms of runs in the majors a year ago. Um, and that's kind of, I think, why they went and got. Garcia, like you mentioned, uh, Solaire, and then they also added Joey Wendell, who I believe was in Tampa. Yep. Um, yeah, and he's Tampa, a Westchester boy. 
Oh, is he? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he had a, I mean, he's a, he's a pretty good player, good utility type guy. Uh, hits for pretty good average. Um, so they went out and got a couple bats that should at least help that offense to an extent. Um, the rotation, you know, they've had a couple of young guys who, and I think they still, uh, they still have six though, I think. They do. Um, yeah, he's he's still, his elbow is still screwed up. Um, but he's still in that rotation potentially later in the year, I would imagine. But Alcantara had a good year a year ago. Um, and he's yeah, kind of put he's together an a couple good, yeah, good, couple good seasons. Um, Travis or Trevor Rogers, sorry, he pitched really, really well he's last great. year. He shut down the fills a couple of times. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the rotation has pieces. I think the offense will be a little better. This is definitely, I think, a better team than 67 wins a year ago. Um, I won't go a ton higher. Jack, what's the over-under on them here? They are at 76 and a half. Oof. 76 and a half. I think I, I think I would probably take the under there just because of the reasoning they have to play the, the Braves, Mets, and Phil so consistently. Um, but I, they definitely, I think seven wins plus seven from a year ago to 74 um, is where I would probably put them. Guys, I'm going in the entire opposite direction. I think this team's actually going to be a solid ball club this year. Uh-oh. How uh, solid? You're going to have to have me on at uh, All-Star break so I can... <laughs> <laughs> Competitive ball club. Not not like uh, competing for the division crown. I think they're probably... They could slide in. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually slid into third in this division race. Um, if one of these teams were to bottom out, but their pitching is so good in terms of, you mentioned Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, very promising young arm, Trevor Rogers last year, ERA under three in his rookie campaign. Uh, so that's three really good pitchers right there. Taking a, I mean, I wouldn't say taking a flyer on, they really like Jesus Lazardo. They picked him up in that Starling Marte trade. In addition to that, they have a lot of reinforcements coming up this year in terms of top prospects, they got the number 34 and 35, uh, both right-handed pitchers estimated, uh, 2022 debuts, Edward Cabrera, Max Meyer. So they're getting two top 35 prospects in the form of pitching help. Six though could be interesting later in the year. We'll see what he can give them. JJ Blade. I think I said his name, right? Blade. It might be, be Blade. 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 Yeah, well, he was a high draft pick out of Vanderbilt a few years ago, and he should be up this year. He did he did struggle last year. I think he was in double A, but he's a top, he's a number 69 prospect. So they have a lot of young talents. In addition to that, there, there are actually quite a few guys in this batting order that I like. Jazz Chisholm with his blue hair, uh, fun player, keep an eye on. They did pick up Solaire. I think that's a great pickup. He can well, DH for them. The only big question I have with Solaire is the Braves do that a lot where they'll pick up a guy at the deadline and he'll have a really good second half. Um, Solaire had a really bad first half a year ago. So I do question whether, you know, what Solaire you get. The Braves always seem to get the best out of guys like him. Um, but, but I, but he led, I do. He led the ahead. AL in homers in 2019. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, but yeah. And then he had the down 2020 and the 2021 first half. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I love Solaire. I've always been high on him. And I think this is also in terms of Miami has a very high Cuban popula- population. He's Cuban. I think it, it's going to feel like a comfortable place for him to live and to play. Like the fans will really get behind him. 
for whatever fans do show out there. Say, what fans are you talking about? <laughs> 300 that show up there um, daily. Hey, yeah. if they're as good as Jack said, Jack thinks they might be. Maybe maybe the mm. crowd starts to come. Well, I think that's what they're banking on. They're banking yeah. on all that young talent that they have. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's this is not the year. It, it, they're coming. They're on their way. They're going to be good. In a, in a few years, probably really good in two or three years with all these, if they pan out. Um, that's the one thing about the Sexto. You know, everybody here was like, why did we get rid of Sexto when we brought in JT? And I would tell you, if I was a GM, I would always trade someone that's proven in the big leagues for prospects. I will do it. I would do it every time because you just never know with prospects um, which way they're going to go. Sometimes they pan out. More times than not, they don't. And uh, this is what Miami's banking on. They're banking on all these high prospects to come up to the big leagues and have an impact. Yeah, I mean, you kind of saw you saw the vision there with Sixto, obviously, when because when he was throwing in the majors, I think he even pitched in one of their playoff games. Yeah, he did. He beat the Cubs. Yeah, yeah he, he looked great, extremely well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of see, you know, what people maybe saw in him. But again, you know, so much has to go right for those prospects, and you know, he's had elbow issues, and that was always the worry with him too, is that arm, the arm issues, and it's, it's proven correct. Well, let's say they have, so Alcantara, Lopez, Rogers. That's a really good top three. And then if Lazardo is able to give them, if Lazardo, I mean, lazardo has been. I have serious questions about him. Yeah. Just I think because that, he, he was really, really bad a year ago. Yeah. But I, I think they, they signed him or they tr- traded for him, right? As, yeah. as, I think it was a buy low situation. It's a buy low. It was a situation of like a Tyler Glass now type of guy where you bring him in, you think you can tweak something and maybe you unlock something in him. So I, I wouldn't bank on Lazardo, but if they're able to have one more pitcher emerge as a solid guy, I think their pitching alone will keep them ar- around 500 this year with an improved offense. So I'm actually going to go. 84 wins for the Miami Marlins this year. Wow. I got to write these numbers down. <laughs> 84. So that would be seven plus 17 from a year plus ago. Plus 17. Yeah. Wow. You know what? I'll take two off just for the division. I'll say 82. <laughs> Let's say 82. There it is. Hey, right at 500. We'll take it. Yeah. What, I think they'll be around 500. a 500 club. Yeah, Mattingly. I think Mattingly will do a good job. I think there's, I think there's some, some things to be excited about with this Marlins team. They have a bright, they have a bright, much brighter future than Washington as of right now. For sure. So how many wins did you guys go? I'll go. Uh, You're talking me into going higher. I'm trying not to listen. I'm going to go 72, 74, 74, 74. Okay. Did I move you at all, Jordan on that? No, (laughs) (laughs) no, just because I think that, I mean, the top three teams in the division are all going to be pretty dang good. So, You know, I think this opens up a a little topic here. Every year we talk about NL East, best division in the National League. And it's actually interesting. If you were to go back over the last five years, how many years have there been two playoff teams out of the division? It's only happened once or twice since 2016. Maybe once, right? So it happened for sure in 2016 with the Mets. that's That's what I was thinking. And then... Has anyone else gotten a wild card? 2020, we throw that out. Nats Braves, maybe? Nats, yeah. Nats, the, Nats that was Braves. the other one. Yeah, Nats, Nats and Braves. Braves. So yep. it's happened twice if you throw out 2020. So uh, last year, 
we I expected this to be one of the best divisions in baseball and the best in the NL for sure. And we were talking midway through the year, Jake Poliga and I were like, who wants to win this division? Like who's going to take it really? Um, so where do you guys think the NL East projects as a division? What What's going to make this a more competitive, better division than it was a year ago? Well, for me, all the acquisitions that we that were made in free agency. Now, I think, and we'll talk about the Braves obviously coming up soon. I think they're going to miss Freddie Freeman horribly. Yeah. Um, but they More did bring in Wilson, so they have someone very capable, obviously. But the Mets went all in, obviously. And the Phillies, um, they pretty much went all in, too. Um, so, um, you know, on paper, we have, I honestly believe this is the best division on paper. And the way you speak of the Marlins, I mean, if you have four teams in the division that, according to you, are possibly 500 or better, um, you know, it, it's, it's got to be the best division in the National League. The, the, the Central's horrible. And the West is, is going to be a probably, you know, I don't, I don't know what to buy into the Padres. I really don't. And I don't know what to buy into the, to the Giants. They had a remarkable year last year, but they also had a remarkable year with every veteran player on that yeah. team having a career year and yeah. that being repeated. Uh, I think the Dodgers run away with that division. So I, I think the National League East, on paper, should be the best division in baseball in, in the National League. I think the real key is the team we're about to talk about, the New York Mets. If the New York Mets are able to live up to what they're build, which they haven't done ever, really. Maybe the last time that happened was 2006. I mean, they did have the 2015 year, but that came out of nowhere. People did not have those kind of expectations on that team. The last time I remember the Mets having serious expectations was 2006. They went to NLCS that year. And I think that's going to be the key. If the Mets are a legitimate contender in this division, that's going to change the outlook for of this division entirely. If it's the Mets from last year, then I, I think that you're looking at then Marlins as like a, you know, team around 500 Mets around 500 kind of thing. Last year they were below 500. And then you're looking at it. I think that changes the outlook quite a bit. I'd say. Yeah. I, uh, I think the key, a big key for them is bringing in Showalter. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, he's going to, he's going to have some discipline up there. You know, the Mets every year, they can't get out of their own way. Usually is what happens to them every year. <laughs> They're very talented. They went out. They they picked up. No, I don't know if they Conha, Escobar, Marte. Obviously, they overpaid for Scherzer. Um, and then uh, you know they bring in Bassett, who's a very capable starting pitcher. Um, their starting rotation, if they stay healthy, and this is going to be the key for this ball club, if their starting pitching stays healthy, they will win the division. I truly believe that. Um, but you know. There are question marks in that starting. Scherzer's up there. He throws 230 innings every year. At some point, it's going to happen. He's, he's going to be done. and um, So we'll see what happens. But on paper, the Mets are a very, very good team. Well, they finally – I think this is, apart from DeGrom now, remember like the, the four-starter rotation that was supposed to be the next big thing with Harvey and Syndergaard um, and uh, – 
called Matt. Was it Matt? Yeah. Uh, and then we were on. That was like the next big, the bit, next big thing. That was supposed to be the rotation for the next ten years. Um, and now with Syndergaard gone, Degrom, Degrom is the only one remaining. Uh, I thought. I mean, obviously, fantastic off season. Um, I don't think they got any worse by any means. Um, obviously, they made the deal with Javi last year. Um, he's gone, and then they're going to lose Conforto. But when you bring in a guy like Scherzer and you have a one-two punch like DeGrom and Scherzer, um, you can compete with anybody. You just got to get to that playoff series, right? Um, I read something, and it's the Mets' health has been as bad or worse as any team in baseball the last five years. And, I mean, paying close attention to this division, it really does feel like that. It feels like these guys are always missing games. I mean, obviously, huge injury question marks with DeGrom, too. Um, So that is a huge piece. I mean... He's going to go out and give you seven innings and one earned run every time he goes out there. But if you only get, you know, 15, 16, 17 starts, you know, how truly valuable can that be throughout an entire season? Uh, so I think the rotation has the potential to be really, really good, Jack. But like you mentioned, I think the health of it is, is the key. Um, and the offense, I mean, I think it's a pretty, pretty good lineup, too. Um, but you kind of need bigger years from some of these guys. Like Lindor has got to play a lot better um, than he did. For the money he's gotten and then you know you lose Conforto and you bring in a guy like Marte outfield wise can Marte continue to produce um who's their D you know like are they taking advantage is Cano going to be their yeah, DH I think so and you know how much you're going to get out of that slot versus you know what are the Braves getting and what are the Phils getting out of their DH so I do think that other teams in this division have advantages over the Mets but obviously I think the big thing here is Scherzer and DeGrom and if those two can stay healthy you know, this team's going to be pretty dang good. Yeah, I think there are two big differences I look at with this team, and you guys each mentioned them. Number one is the depth of their pitching rotation. Last year, we sort of argued a little bit in terms of how much do we trust in some of the guys beyond DeGrom, and it ended up being there was nobody to – I mean, Stroman had a good year. Stroman was good. Stroman's out now, and then – but I mean, you bring in Scherzer and I really like Chris Bassett too. Now, the one thing I don't, I'm not concerned about this with, with Scherzer, but maybe a Bassett and potentially some of the other guys you bring to the club. I, I, it is interesting when some guys go over to New York, we were talking about this yesterday with the ALEs podcast, like Joey Gallo took a big dip when he went over the Yankees and we'll see what happens with a bigger sample size. But Sonny Gray is the guy that I think of. He came over from Oakland like Chris Bassett is, he was used to pitching in a pitcher's park and in a much smaller market where there is not a lot of attention. You go to bright lights in New York and it's not for everybody. It wasn't for Javi Baez and (laughs) a lot of people. So that is one thing to take into consideration, but I do like their rotation quite a bit more than I did a year ago. And the other thing you mentioned, Mick, is they're bringing in a a real big-time manager. Buck Showalter knows how to get a lot out of his team. And I really think that this club, I I think they're going to have, I'm going to say, better team chemistry because I think there was a little bit last year just in terms of some of the personalities you have. Stroman, the type of guy who's going to get in a fight with anybody on Twitter at all times. And that that was apparent. There are whispers that that was not something that was popular and the Mets did not really want to bring him back after that. And then, you know, just look at how 
Baez and some of those guys handled the fans. The fans did not latch on to either of those players, and there's a reason behind that. So I think that um, I, I like the I like the makeup of this team in terms of chemistry, in terms of I dare I say character, and you know interacting with the fans. I I think this is a better this is a bunch that's built better than they were a year ago. And I, I do think this is a this is a situation too where if this team gets off to a slow start, that pressure for them is going to mount very, oh, yeah. very quickly with all the money they spent with the guys. And and you said it, Jack, when you come to Philadelphia to play or you come to New York to play or Boston, um, you you have to have a special mentality to play in those cities. Um, because they don't accept uh poor play, they don't accept losing. Um and you're going to hear it. And, you know, when the players did the thumbs down in New York, um, they weren't buying it. Um, and uh, you have to have a special type of uh, attitude when you come to the East Coast to play. So we'll see if these guys that are coming over here in New York and, and Philly and Boston and those areas can, can handle the pressure that there is in those big th- those three big cities. And the last thing I think that's interesting in terms of lineup that's worth mentioning is – uh, Michael Conforto right now is still sitting there and the Mets are in talks with him. The Sox were talking to him, White Sox. Um, we'll see where he lands, but that could be an important piece for this team. I, I do think, though, like Lindor took such a step back last year. And that could also be a thing. Maybe he doesn't sure. like New York. Sure. So I, I'm not sold on the batting order. That is my reservation with this team. But like I said about the Marlins, their pitching staff, if it remains healthy, which there is a little more depth this year. So I, I feel pretty good about them. They're going to at least win. They're going to, I think their floor is like a, it's a 500 club. The ceiling's much higher than that. I'm going to go somewhere in between. Um, I won't give away my total, but is there anything else you guys want to add on the Mets before we get to the win projections? I don't think so. I mean, I'm with you. Their offense isn't uh, a dominating offense. Um, they're going to have to manufacture runs. Um, but yeah, they're relying on one through five in that starting rotation, and and they need Carrasco and Walker to pitch well also. Um, it's great when you have the one-two punch, uh, but you still have – you know, three, four, five, every, every game, every series where you got to win those ball games too. So we'll see how those uh, three in the back end of the rotation do, but uh, a number for me. Um, and I'm, I'm going on health. So That's the over under, by the way, is 90 and a half, which is pretty half. high. In I'm my going opinion. on there staying healthy. I'm going to Grom's getting 25 to 30 starts and Scherzer's getting 30 starts. And um, so I'm going to say, you said over under is 90. 90. Yeah. I'm going to go 92. Mm, interesting. Jordan. Uh, um, I'm wrong. I hope it's seven. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're wrong too. Um, I mean, I, like I said, I definitely think they got better. Than they won 77 games a year ago. Uh, I think their health, their health will be better this year. Um, show Walter makes a, a little bit of a difference. I think they win under nine. I think 87. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much aligned with you, Jordan. I, one more thing I want to touch on just discussing the Mets is well, if there's one word that you like, if I said New York Mets, what would your one word association with them be, Jordan? First thing that comes to your mind, one word. In, injured. Injured. Okay. I was going to say dysfunction, 
I think dysfunction kind of follows the Mets wherever they go. And with Luis Rojas, a an inexperienced manager, I mean, they had just a lot of weird things happen last year. They had that whole Lindor and who was the guy? They had that confrontation in the dugout. Was it Jeff McNeil? Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we saw a rat. And then another guy said, I saw a raccoon. And that was what that was all about. They said it was a rat or raccoon. And the New York media got really mad because they're like, we know you guys aren't being honest. And then um, there's a whole situation where Strowman basically called out the Mets where he's like, we should not have pitched that game like with the rain delay. Like we should not have pitched with the rain coming down. And he didn't know that he was calling out the Mets because that was the Mets decision to play to delay the game or not. And so I I think that with Buck, who is a, like we said, just a a proven veteran manager, I think that's going to be cleaned up quite a bit. And so I'm going to say last year, 77 wins. I'm actually right there with you, Jordan. I think they're 10 wins better than they were a year ago, and they'll be in the mix for this division for sure. Yep, for sure. Sounds about right, Jack. Nice to hear you agree with me on one. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a first? There's my boy. Hey. <laughs> he sees a dog outside. <laughs> All, right. All right, Jordan. Now, uh, I think we're, we're finally at the Philadelphia Phillies, unless you guys want to save the Phillies for last. You want to do a Phillies last or you want to, you want to nah, get to the Phillies? No, nah, we, can, we can move up the ladder. Okay. We can move up the ladder and roll with them right now. All right. What are we looking at? This Phillies team last year made a nice little push, a little too late, a little too late. Sorry, too little, too late. Um, it was funny. I did have Kyle Kendrick's wife on this show, Stephanie, who was on Survivor. And right after Stephanie came on was when they rattled off that huge uh, when they went eight, one, eight of nine. Um, so maybe Stephanie needs to come back on the show in order to get the Phillies pumped up again. Um, weekly. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she has the kind of time for that, unfortunately, (laughs) but um, that was around that time. Bryce MVP last year, really the, the, I felt like it was kind of like the growing up kind of year of Bryce Harper, the maturation process of him really blossoming into what everyone had written about for the last 12, 15 years of his life, really for that matter. Wins the MVP really puts that team on his back and, really shouldered a lot of the offensive load there uh, down the stretch. Now it ended up, like I said, being too little too late. Um, What are we looking at with this Phillies team? What's different, Jordan? Yeah. So a little bit of a roster turnover actually from the last couple of years. Uh, McCutcheon's gone now. Hector Neris, who was a longtime Phil reliever, he's gone. Archie Bradley, Brad Miller, Freddie Galvis, Roman Quinn, Adam Hazley, Andrew Knapp. I have the names in front of me. I don't remember these off the top. I was going to say, <laughs> Matt Moore, Chase Anderson. These are all guys that Bills fans have uh, had to endure some of the last couple of seasons. But my point there is, I mean, named eight or nine guys, not many high-impact guys there, maybe apart from Naris. Um, And then you bring in Castellanos, Schwarber, and then Neville and uh, Brad Hand. I think they also saw uh, all the Mets long-time. Familia. Familia, Familia. Um, so you bring in those in terms of the, the pen, I think right off the get go from the names I, I mentioned to the names we brought in, I think you got maybe a little bit better. Obviously, Naris put put it together a little bit last year, but um, 
I, I think there's some good things. I thought Brad, Brad Hand was quietly a very nice signing. Um, and then you add the two big boys. And, you know, it's been three off seasons now pretty much where it was like, we want to stay, we'll push over the luxury tax if the right situation comes about. Um, and, you know, you, you make the deal for Schwarber and then Castellanos is still out there. Um, and you do the big thing and land him too. So uh, I think right off the top, I think this lineup is probably going to be as good as any in baseball. Um, and some of that depends on some of those guys turning out at the bottom of the order. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch on them to an extent, but at least one through six, in my opinion, it's probably as good as any. Um, and, you know, there's not really an easy out, but along with that, there's a ton of power when you have guys like Castellano, Schwarber, and then add that to an already Harper and Hoskins. So, I mean, I'm I'm really excited, to be quite honest with you, um, with the, the way the lineup and kind of the offseason turned out. But I do think there's clear questions in the pitching staff, and I'll kind of let you guys maybe jump into that. Yeah, I've been watching them firsthand. I saw some games down in Florida. I've been following them on TV since I've been back. Um, first and foremost, I think it's important to realize the last two years we've gone into the last week of the season with an opportunity to make the playoffs. Came up short. Both years we had 30-plus blown saves. That's an astronomical number for a Major League Baseball team. So to go out and get Knable, who looks really good right now, um, coming off a, 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 a rot- I think it was rotator cuff surgery or, or uh, Tommy John surgery, I think it was. Looks really good. Hand and familiar. They're going to be solid setup guys. The key for me is going to be Dominguez. It's almost I, like I another reliever because we haven't had him for a year and a half. And if you can remember two years ago or whenever he was pitching, he was dominating. Um, so if he's coming back to anything close to what he was, that's four solid bullpen arms that we really haven't had in a number of years. And if you can take those 34 blown saves and cut them to 15 or so, you know, last two years we'd have been in the playoffs easily. So that's the first thing I think is going to be much better on this team is the bullpen. Um, offensively, that's what everybody's talking okay, about. Can I ask you something about the bullpen real quick? Yes. What do you guys think about – Connor Brogdon and Sam Coonrod, the next two guys in that bullpen, because Brogdon looked really good at points last year. Yeah, I think with Familia in hand and, and Dominguez, those are probably your seven, eight guys, seventh inning, eighth inning guys. I think Brogdon's more of a long guy, um, which we're really going to need probably in the first month of the season until we get these starters stretched out. Um, and Coonrod, kind of the same thing. But Coonrod had a pretty good year last year. He was he was pretty yeah, solid. I think he's end. good. I like so, him. So – with you have when you have familiar hand Canable and Dominguez, and then now you get throw these two guys in, it really makes for a, a pretty solid bullpen. And then we also have the big uh, I forget his name, the Alvarado. Alvarado. Yeah, he's, he's good. up a little bit now. Hasn't been pitching, but once he gets healthy, um, he's a little he's a bit little of wild. He's a little wild thing. Yeah, he's a little yeah. consistent. <laughs> Seriously, but, uh, he's got a hell of an arm. Yeah. He can get lefties out with the best of them. So. That bullpen can be a, a positive on this team for sure. And, uh, you know, when you go to the offense, that's what everybody's talking about right now is how many runs can this team score. For me, it's going to be the home run. We're going to have to hit home runs. That's how we're going to score runs. We're not going to get five singles in an inning. We're not going to steal a lot of bases. Uh, we're going to have to hit the ball out of the ballpark. So those one through six guys have to hit the ball out of the, out of the ballpark for us to win ball games. And I think they will. 
especially at Citizens, uh, Citizens Bank Park, which is a, you know, a great hitting ballpark. Um, so I think we're going to score a lot of rounds. My biggest concern is our starting pitching. Um, if one of those guys or two of those guys goes down, we have no depth in the starting pitching. So if we lose, uh, you know, Nola or, or Wheeler, one of those top pitchers, I think we're going to be in a little bit of trouble because Gibson, Eflin, and um, uh, what's the lefty that uh, – Suarez. 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 Yeah. Um, even though Suarez was unbelievable last year, they're very inconsistent. They'll give you a seven innings of one-run ball, and then the next couple outings they can't get out of the third inning. So um, the starting pitching for me is what's going to determine how far this team goes. Yeah, I'll add one other thing. Not just starting pitching, but I don't think this is going to be one of the better defensive clubs no. in the National League either. Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, was trying to stay away from that. I was hoping <laughs> to talk about that. <laughs> well, I do think, and it's interesting because I do think there's a there's there are ways that you can make this a little bit better of a, a defensive club. And you're how so? To, what would you do? Starting to see it a little bit in spring spring training. I mean, Alec Bohm has he, he has not been a good defensive third baseman by any means the last couple of seasons, but it does look like whether he starts on the major league roster or not, uh, Stott, Bryce, Bryson Stott is in the running for potentially starting at third base. He's essentially our top prospect and has had a pretty good spring. Really? Um, so that, yeah, really good spring. Um, so that is a way to upgrade the defense a little bit. Now, obviously, whoever you would have Trevor, those guys you put in left field, you're going to probably have some problems. And Hopkins isn't necessarily a very good defensive first baseman. Um, but I do think, you know, that helps shore up maybe the left side of the infield a little bit. If there's, and I, I think this is a good topic too. Like Bohm is a big question, I think, for this team right now, um, depending on what they're going to do with him. Uh, he's been brought up maybe as a trade piece, um, depending on, you know, what they want to do with him there. I think a lot of it kind of depends on Stott and how he looks because Didi has actually, I believe, had a pretty good spring. And it looks like he's probably going to be the opening day shortstop. But I think that was kind of a question mark heading into the spring, too. Um, so I think there's definitely questions defensively but and with Bohm. But there are some interesting pieces there, too. And they also went out and signed Camargo. Yep. He's a good little player. I've gotten to watch him the last few weeks here. He, he can swing the bat a little bit. He can play some third base. Um, he's not bad over there. So they do have some options at, at, at third base. Um uh, Didi is looking better. Uh, he's hitting the ball pretty good. Making See, the, the best case scenario for this defense is make the routine play. That's the best case scenario. They're not going to be, you know, thrilling us with uh, ESPN top 10 plays of the week, you know, anytime soon. But if they can just make routine plays, not give the team, you know, extra outs, then that's going to be a big plus for this pitching staff. Yeah, I think with this team, it reminds me a little bit of what the Yankees were last year um, in terms of you got a team that's going to slug a, a lot of home runs, but what you see with those long ball or bust type of teams is inconsistency. And there are question marks in the pitching rotation now. I actually might like this pitching rotation even more than the Yankees. So, uh, And that says something maybe a little more about the Yankees. Yankees won 90 games last year. Um I think there's some similarities. I do think the bullpen's going to be quite a bit better. I love Knable. I love Brad Hand. Um, and then, like we said, I, I, there are a couple other guys in that bullpen. Um, you bring back Strath, Anthony Dominguez. You got Brogdon, Coonrod, and Alvarado. 
I'm honestly not as high on the Familia pickup as as you guys are. Maybe he has a nice bounce back. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what they're counting on. I'm not. I think of the three signings reliever wise, that was probably the weakest, and you're kind of hoping that he's one of them that ends up turning out. But I mean, we talked about some of the other guys. We there are some good pieces there in case he doesn't. Yeah. So I I mean I like this team quite a bit. Defense I do think is going to be a problem. Um yeah, I think it's going to be a fun team to watch though. On my MLB uh, at bat or my MLB.tv, I'll definitely tune it in quite a bit. And Girardi's still at the helm, Jack, your boy, your boy yeah. Joe. Yeah, I love Joe. <laughs> I love Joe. I loved him last year too. I it's always fun as uh you guys know Joe. He's such a cool like calm chill guy i mean he studied biology at northwestern like he's very very intelligent probably a lot smarter than a lot of people who are in baseball and i mean that's why he's a manager of course but so he's a really calm guy when he blows his top though he goes berserk and we saw that when uh that game where harper got hit in the face and then uh who was it that got drilled on the next pitch I'm not sure. I wait, two guys got or hit. Or Ramudo, maybe. JT, and maybe. no, I, I think it was. It may have been Didi. I can't remember, but I do know that in that game, uh, they the, the, the this uh, poor young reliever on the Cardinals drills two guys in a row on nasty pitches, and then the Umps foolishly warned both dugouts, and then Girardi just blew his top, and uh, that's always fun to watch. Is when when Girardi Girardi argues, he goes all out. He is truly, truly very angry. It's like it, it festers, it piles up for him. Yeah, I would. I don't. Ever, I don't understand that warning thing until I, I really wouldn't warn people until both teams have been hit. Then yeah. the warning should come. But when one team gets hit, and you warn both teams, that really eliminates the opportunity for the other team to uh, do what they have to do. So I never really understood why they do. <laughs> Well, even I would if you probably blow a gasket too if, if that happened. Oh, totally. Yeah, and I think that's that's the other thing is that even if you don't want to retaliate, you're telling your pitchers, yeah, you can't really pitch inside. We're taking that away because you might get ejected, and that's that changes the entire way you pitch, and that's Absolutely. just totally screwed up. So, nonetheless, uh, anything else on this Phillies team that you guys want to touch on before we get to the win total? I don't. I don't think so. Something uh, to watch for, maybe? I would just watch the Stott and Bohm battle potentially at third base. And, I mean, Camargo will definitely be in the mix there yeah. as well. Um, they're going to have a hard time sending Stott down. He's hitting 550 right now. Wow. Four hits today. Um, I think they're going to have a hard time, you know, I, at least, it, it, at least it, it, with the Philly fans, explaining to the Philly fans why they're sending this kid down. Because he I, had a heck of a year last year. He went to the fall league in Arizona. And had another great fall league. He, he tore it up. Um, so and, and Bohm's hitting about 105 right now. So they're going to have a tough time um, explaining to people here in Philadelphia uh, why Bohm stays and, and Stott doesn't. Hey guys, where is Scott Kingery now? He was on the. He was. He got hurt last year. He went down. He got taken off the 40 man. He went down to AAA and he, he he blew out. He did something to his shoulder. He had to have major yep. surgery, so he's not the whole way back. Uh, they brought him into camp, but he wasn't ready for games yet. So they sent him back to minor league camp so he could start getting some at bats. But uh, you know he's got a long way to go now. He's got a lot of proving to do. 
someone along the way messed up his swing and he can he hasn't been able to get it back and it, it has really hurt his career. And then uh, last thing I'm curious about, Odobel Herrera, so he's going to start in center field this year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he had he was going to be, and then he yeah, comes he into hurt. camp and he, he hurt his uh, groin, or no, oblique. He, he did something to his oblique, so he's going to be on the DL to open, open the um, season. season. Um, he's got a big league contract, so I'm assuming when he comes off the DL, he'll be in the big leagues, but um, – they got a, a couple of guys out there that are playing very well right now. Moniac's, you know, hitting the ball pretty good right now. And uh, Verling, I think his name is, is doing yep. a nice job from the right-hand side. He's, he's, he's much better defensively than Odubel. Yep. So um, we'll see what happens when he comes back. He might end up being one of those guys on the bench that spot starts now and then. I don't know. We'll see. Look, to, to, me, that, to me, that was such a questionable move just because, I mean, the, the fan base obviously has a very – strong opinion about Odubel to begin with, but you just had three play. You have three players that give in reality, very similar production to what Odubel has given, you know, the past two seasons. And uh, Hazley was one of them. Obviously we sent him away to the white Sox, but um, you know, Verling had a really nice year when he played last year. So I think it's definitely something to look out for, but I wouldn't think, you know, if you see one of the center fielders get off to a really hot start, I don't think anything's given to Odubel when he comes back. Yeah, I, I think they're hoping for the 2000, what was it, 2017 or 2018 Odubel that made the all-star team. Yeah. And, um, that first half. I don't, that, yeah. I don't know if that's still in there or not, but uh, if it is, yeah. great, because that would obviously be a huge, huge uh, bonus at the bottom of the lineup, but uh, I don't know if it's still in there or not. Yep. Now, you mentioned Mickey Moniak. He's aspiring to be the second greatest Mick in Philly's history. <laughs> He's got a long way to go, Jack. <laughs> That's hey, I'm a Moniac fan, though. I, I really hope he turns. He was the first overall pick. Yeah, 2017 or 2016. I mean, we signed him when he was like 18 or something. He's still young. Even though he's got like five years in the minor leagues, he's still only 23 or 24. He's still pretty young. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see him make this team and have an impact, uh, especially against right-handed pitching. And uh, he's having a good spring. He's got three home runs, had a couple hits today. Um, and uh, it would be a nice little story if he could make this team and have some sort of impact on him. 85 and a half is the over-under total. The Phillies are the longest tenured National League team. That has not made the playoffs. Here, Jack. Last time, 2011. <laughs> so 10 years. It's been a rough last decade for Phillies fans. Is this the year where they turn the corner, guys? I think they make the playoffs, especially with the added team. Um, are they a perfect team? No. Um, they're going to strike out a lot. Um, the starting pitching for me is the key, as I said. Um, and their defense, as we've all talked about, is probably not going to be very good. Um, but I think they squeeze into the playoffs. I think they're a wild card team. Um, I think they're going to be very good. As you said, they're going to be fun to watch, especially offensively. Um, I'm going to go, they won 77 last year. The over-under is 85. I think they gained 10 games. I'm going to go 87 wins. Okay. And that's good for the final wild card spot. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> that's a, uh, I mean, that's that's a good number. I'm actually, I know you guys mentioned home run or bust, kind of for this. I don't get that feeling as much with this lineup, just because some of these home run yeah. hitters also can hit for a good average. Yeah, Castellanos, Castellanos is a great hits for a good average. Hitter. Harper yeah. obviously hits for a good average. Um, now Schwarber and Hoskins are both 
big question marks in terms of the average <laughs> department. But Real Muto kind of had a down year as a whole offensively last year. Um, but he has the ability to potentially hit for average. And obviously Segura will be somewhere there, maybe in the two hole or the five hole. Um, so I do think offensively, obviously, they'll be very good. Last year, they were, you know, right around 12 to 15 in terms of all the, the key hitting statistics. I think they'll definitely have a top 10 offense this year. To me, the, and I think you mentioned that, I think the biggest question is the starting pitching. Um, Wheeler, I think, had a, I mean, he obviously had a really, really good first half and then, you know, had a, a shakier second half. The big question, though, is after him, can Nola finally put together, you know, a, a season that is, you know, kind of worth remembering almost. I mean, he's been kind of frustrating as, to watch as a fan because, you know, he'll come out and he'll strike out six in the first two innings and then give up five in the third. Um, so Nola, I think for this team to be good, he has to be good. I think he has to have a good season because I think behind him there are question marks. Eflin always kind of has health issues. I don't think you can expect the same from Suarez either. Uh, I mean, regression will happen there for sure. But uh, I think it's a much better team than last year just because of the additions. I think offensively they'll be better. And their starting pitching really last year wasn't that great. Um, and the pen will be better. So they won 82 a year ago. I had the Mets at 87. I think they make the playoffs as well. Um, I will have them kind of neck and neck here. I think I go more in 87 then. Yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm going to go. I think they win 90. 90. They win 90 games. Oh, is, that 90. A, is that a first place finish? I don't know. We'll have to see what I think <laughs> up for the, for the here in the next 15 minutes. <laughs> All right. I will go with the Phillies uh, at 88 wins, just edging in front of the Mets. Second place in this division, okay. and let's so talk. All about, pretty high. All pretty yeah, high. We we're all that. within three yeah. games of each other there. Yep. So yeah, and this is like the trap. This is what Jordan and I do. I I feel like I've agreed on the Phillies. Well, like I've been relatively high on the Phillies. I talk him years. into the Phillies every year on this podcast, yeah. and he's disappointed by, <laughs> me by about June. <laughs> well, and as I said before, they won eighty-one and twenty, right? Yep. They won eighty-two 18. last year. And both years they blew 30-plus saves. Right. I mean, you can't expect them to blow 30-plus saves again this year. So I just think that the wins have to go up somewhat. They have to. And also, in addition to that, when I heard about this expanded postseason, I immediately thought of the Phillies and the Reds. Last year, the Reds would have been that team, but the Phillies a lot of times have been like – that sixth best team in the field in, in the, I mean, two right. years ago, obviously that wasn't the case, but I mean, that is going to make a huge difference for them, I think. And it also is going to change the way you look at your season at a certain point, because you could be sitting in at the trade deadline in the playoffs when last year you were maybe what, three games out in an NL East that was lackluster with a lot of teams, a lot of teams having a down year. Um, so I think that really changes your season. If you're, looking at a spot where let's say if Atlanta had had a great year last year in the first half, obviously they won the world series, but let's say they were up 10 games and you are five out of the wild card. I mean, this is going to make, I think this is going to make a big difference for the Phillies and yeah. So let's touch on the final team here, the reigning world series champions, the Atlanta Braves, they were able to win a world series in a down year. Jordan's already rolling his eyes. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they won, what, 88 games a year ago? They won 88, and in the first half, 
legitimately everything that could have gone wrong for them did. They lost Soroka. They lost Acuna. They lost uh, the, they had that Oscar uh, Noah punched a, a wall and broke his hand. They lost the all-star game. Like everything that could have gone wrong for the Braves did. And they somehow still managed to win the division in a down year where basically you have the bad luck year and you end up walking away with a ring. And now with that thought process, I would think generally I'd think, okay, they're going to be back up this year, but there is one sig- serious significant change to this roster that is very much worth talking about. Yes, it is. Um, didn't seem like they were ever interested in resigning him. It was, it was very weird. weird. It was really weird. Like there were no negotiations. Um, so I'm assuming when that season ended and they knew Freddie was going to be a free agent, they came up with a game plan and they stuck to it. And um, luckily for them, they were able to go out and get Olsen, who was a pretty darn good player. Um, I think with him coming in, though, anytime a, a, a player changes leagues, there's going to be a big adjustment because you're not seeing the same pitchers that you normally see. Um, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if he got off to a slow start. Um, and had a much better second half than the first half. But, uh, um, you know, they go out and get Jansen. You know, the Braves, they do things right. They really do. Their farm system is always good. Um, When it comes to the trade deadline, if they need to add pieces, they always add pieces. They did it last year with Soler and uh, the other outfielder that hit 30 bombs for him. Who was that? Was it Peterson or Doc uh, was one of them, but the so they brought on Soler, right. Peterson, Rosario, yeah. and oh, a year ago you Duvall. might be talking about Ozuna the year before as well. Yeah, so they're not afraid to go out and and, and if they have injuries, they're not afraid to go out because they got so many prospects in that minor league system to go out and, and bring some in someone in that's going to have an impact. So they're going to be good. They're pretty stacked, even though they're going to lose Freeman, and I think it's a big loss for them, not only on the field but in the clubhouse. But um, they're very well coached. Uh, they have they're very talented, um, and they're going to be right in the mix for sure. And uh, you know they got hot at the right time last year. That's 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 the big thing about sports. When you go into the playoffs, if you're a hot team, anything can happen. And they got hot and. Um, played very good baseball in the playoffs, but uh, they're good. They're good. They're going to be good for a while because their 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 farm system is always good, and they have some great players. And Acuna, I'm assuming. I don't know if he's going to be ready for opening day or not. I, May, mid May, May, and he'll tear it up. And um, the second baseman is awesome. And Albie. and Riley had a career year last year. And I mean, they're 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 pretty darn young, as good as they are. So. Um, that's they'll be another fun team to watch in this division for sure. Well, they'll be fun to watch. Fun to watch. Maybe not for us. <laughs> no, not for us, no. <laughs> not not for us specifically. But I mean, not, to me, this front office wise is as good. It might be the best front office in baseball. The way they do things. Um, Before you go on, George, I just want to say they have the best bullpen in baseball too. So yeah, they're going to win a lot of games. If they're winning games after the sixth inning, they're not going to lose too many. Really good. Yep. 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 And I mean, they'll be winning games because the rotation is no slouch either. A ton of good arms there too. Um, they got a good year out of Morton a year ago. That's kind of, to me, a question mark potentially is whether he can repeat that. Um, he was another guy where it was like, maybe the Phils should go out and take a buy low type deal on Morton. 
um, a year ago. And when uh, Jack, I think we talked about it, we were like, what, quietly a pretty good signing. And it yeah. ended up turning out to be really good. And it seems like everybody the Braves touch ends up having really good. Like Valera was a perfect example of that. And it was the end of the year before. It's like they continue to get great years out of guys whenever they make the deals for them. I think Freeman, the Freeman loss, I mean, you touched on a little bit. I think it hurts them as much in the locker room as it does in the field. He is, I think, as good a leader, really, in, in baseball as there is. You know, every single one of those Braves guys who talked about him throughout that playoff run had great, great things to say. It's really amazing that they won the World Series losing in what, in my I mean, Acuna, to me, is a top three player um, Yeah. in baseball when healthy, and he's as exciting to watch as any. So getting him back in May, it might be kind of, and I mean, they have the guys to do it, but kind of, you know, staying a lot, staying right there. And then you get Acuna back and all of a sudden that lineup takes a big jump with him. Uh, Olsen, you know, I thought he he's good, not great. I think obviously that's a pretty clear step down from Freeman. I want to um, touch but, on that. I want to touch yeah. on that here. Yep. So what I found so interesting was, when that move got made, there were a lot of people who were talking about the move. And I think like, I, I understood the idea of, okay, they're going with a guy who's younger. He's going to be cheaper and he's still a top five to 10 first baseman. A lot of, I heard an, a fair amount of people saying, oh yeah, they're getting a guy who's just as good as Freddie Freeman, or maybe he's just as good as Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is the best first baseman in baseball. He's been, he won the MVP a couple of years ago. Honestly, he, I thought he was overlooked in last year's MVP race. He very well could have been in that mix. Um, he's been an MVP caliber player the last three, four years. Um, great defensively. And then you mentioned leadership. And so, yes, I, I do think that there is potential. I think they see something in Matt Olson that they like that might be Freeman-esque. They think that, he, maybe there is even a, a level that he hasn't tapped into and they're going to tap into that and they're buying the player that they think is going to continue to improve. He's an Atlanta native guy. So it all makes sense. But don't tell me that he is an equal to Freddie Freeman because nobody is an equal to Freddie Freeman. And that's not even talking about the leadership and the chemistry and the mojo that Freddie Freeman brings to the team. Yeah, Olsen kind of put it all together last year, actually, because um the year before the shortened season uh he actually had a really really bad year i think i'm pulling up the 2020 stats jordan come on <laughs> <laughs> well he kind of yeah i mean but he did put it all he, i mean he drove in what 110 runs a year ago or something it was right around 40 bombs it was his um, best year yes. yeah he put together a really nice year and i'm sure you know with the Braves, the way they do things he'll probably hit 45 this upcoming year um, but it I, yeah, like he had something to say. Go ahead, Mick. Sorry, but he's playing in a he's playing in a completely different place now. He, he, don't forget, he's playing in Oakland, where there's no pressure. Right, he's playing on the West Coast, half of America doesn't even see him play. Um, now he's coming to Atlanta, where he's got to go to Philadelphia, he's got to go to New York, um, he's got to go to Washington, he's got to go to these tough places to play now. And as I said before, he's learning a whole new league. He's learning new ballparks, new pitchers, new fans, the whole new travel ways. Obviously, travel actually would be a little bit better for him. But um, so, uh, no, he's not as good as Freddie Freeman. Absolutely not. Um, Freddie, that's not, even a, that's not even a knock on him. No, no nobody is no. as good as Freddie, Freddie Freeman. Ball yeah. play. Freddie yeah. catches the ball, as you said. He is one of the best defensive first basemen. Freddie is a, a, a guy that has fun playing the game. He enjoys it. 
He keeps his play, his teammates loose. Um, they're going to miss him. They're I was going to say, you, you do really wonder how much of an impact that does make losing a guy like Freeman. Well, not what message does it say to your team, Mick, as a former player, if you win the World Series with a guy who's been the leader of that club, sat through the entire rebuild, what message does that send to a dugout to a clubhouse after you win the World Series? Don't become a free agent, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, for me, I, in a way, it sends a message that, hey, we're going to be good without him, I guess is the message right. you're trying to send. Hey, we're going to go out and get Olsen, and, and we're going to be able to replace him. Like, um I don't know how close Freddie there. Nine years, ten years. Yeah, ten years. Um, but uh, but obviously a fan favorite there. Um, but can't do much more than Freddie. No, did there. no. And, uh, I, don't know, I don't know. I, the, the one thing about the Braves, they don't they don't do things from the heart. They they yeah. try and make good baseball decisions, and that's why they've always been good. That they yeah. Why they won fifteen NL East championships in a row when I was there because. You know, they, they they knew how to develop players and, and they knew when to get rid of them, when to keep them and all those things. And they've always been good at it. And we'll see if this is another good move for them. But I don't know how much money they save, but they signed Olsen to what? Yeah. Five years, 170 or something? Uh, like, Six years. No, eight years, 168. It was eight years. Okay. And then yeah, Freddie got, what, four for five for six one? Six years. Six for I can't remember how six much. One fifty, six one fifty or something, yeah, somewhere around a little there. more. They save like a six, whole load of money, so it must maybe it wasn't a money issue. I don't. Yeah. I think a lot of people are still trying to figure it Weird out. Weird move. For sure. I do think it did save. I mean, that's three years of control with a guy who's four years younger. Right. Um, and I also will also add that. You know, Olsen's playing in a park in Oakland where a lot of the long balls that he's hitting the track, a lot of times he's flying out. Those are home runs in most other parks. So right. I do think there's there's a method to the madness. Um, I want to touch on something else. Acuna's coming back. Ozuna is coming back. So you're adding two huge bats to that lineup. Jordan, you look confused. Is, is he for sure? I know he didn't he have domestic violence issues or something. Is yeah. He the expectation is that he's going to be back this okay. year. Yeah. And he'll probably, I would imagine probably be their DH. Yep. Right? Yeah. So they'll be able to put him back in the DH spot, which is where he thrived two years ago and he got that big contract. So having said all of that, even though they're going to lose Freddie based on just how good this team is, and how good they were a year ago. We, we didn't even mention a guy like Ozzy Albies and their pitching staff has been great. Their, their pitching rotation is, you know, Ian Anderson, Max Freed, and then that bullpen, which might be the best in not just the national league, but all of baseball. I'm going to keep riding with the Braves. I think they do. This would be the fifth year in a row um, in the NL East, which I know is making your guys's ears bleed, but I think they're going to do it again. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to agree with you, um, and I'm only agreeing with you because of their bullpen. Um, it's so important to have a solid bullpen in today's game, and uh, when you have those arms that they have down there, and then you just, let's just go out and get Jansen in here just to throw him <laughs> in the mix. Um, so, yeah, th- I, I think when you win a World Series championship, you are entitled to be – uh, pick to win the division again the following year as long as you haven't had a total 
um, you know, get rid of everybody. So, yeah, I, I think they win the division again. I think it's going to be close, though. I, I think I think it's going to come down to the last week with the top three teams. Um, what I say, New York? Did I go 90? Uh, New York? You said 92. Oh. 92. I'm going to change New York to yeah, 90. <laughs> and I'm going to go Atlanta 91. So I'm going to go epic. 91, 90, and 87. So it's going to come down to that last week. And uh, I think it's going to be a heck of a race this year. And Philly's at 87, I think you said. Yeah. Yep. So that would be a, a great division race. Go ahead, Jordan. Yeah, it's no fun if we all pick the same division <laughs> winner. So I'm not going to. Um, I just, you know, maybe the World Series hangover comes in a little bit, especially early. Um, and they don't get Acuna back until at least mid-May. Um, so I think obviously it's a very, very good team. Um, but I mean, very, very good teams can win 88, 89 games. That's right where I have them. And I actually do think they're going to start a little slow, like maybe a slow start. And for them is around 500. Maybe it's worse than that. Last year, they had a terrible first half. They spent, it took them until after the trade deadline to be above 500 for the first time. It was until August. And And yeah. And we didn't touch on it, but like this is a team that got pretty good years from a lot of these kind of key role guys a year ago. Like Duvall had over 30 homers for them. Riley, as we talked about, put it all together. I think Albie hit 30 homers a year ago. Um, So a lot went right for some of those role guys. And I I think more of Albies and Riley, I think those guys are much more than role guys. I mean, those are four pieces. And I think the the reason why they... Yeah, Swanson had 27 bombs or something, too. So a lot of them... Garneau came back. He went off, too. So... But these aren't, in my opinion, these are these are all young guys. They're look they're starting to tap into that potential. I don't think it's like like with the Giants, those are a bunch of veteran guys who just all of a sudden put together a career year sort of out of nowhere. Um, and I think Riley, another guy who could have been in that, I think he probably finished top ten in MVP a year ago. They they would not. I'll tell you this. I do not think they would have moved on from Freeman if they weren't entirely sold on Riley being the real deal. But I do think that this team just not having Freddie in their lineup every day, that's going to be an adjustment period, I think, for the first couple of months. So I would not be surprised if they start a little slow. Their over-under total is 90 and a half. I will go over for the division crown. I, I'll give them I'll give them 93. That's what I'll, I'll say. 93 wins. Um, yeah. I had them right under that at I'll go 80, 88. 88. Which does indeed crown the Phillies as the NLE champion. <laughs> <laughs> and Mick like said it. 91. I so, like all right. So, where are your division, where are your standings looking like, Jordan? Um, so, I have the Phillies at 90, the Braves at 88, the Mets at 87. So, I, I'm the same way. I think it's, there's a chance all three get in there. Um, yeah. And then uh, Miami at I think it's 74, 75. And then the Nats actually worse than last year. I believe it's 62 or 63. How about you, Mick? Did you didn't write any of these down, but I didn't either. Yeah, I did. When you get old, you remember things a little <laughs> No, I think I had the Braves at 91, the Mets at 90, and the Phillies at 87. I'll be to be honest with that, that could all be interchangeable, but um I, and then I'll go Miami and Washington. 
Um, see, I think all three can get in too. Uh, the Central Division's not very good. I think they're going to get their division winner, and that's it. Um, the Reds are not going to be as good as they were last year. They did some. They I don't know what they do in Cincinnati, but every time they get good, <laughs> every time they have a chance to be good, they get rid of everybody. I don't understand. Right. Um, Dodgers are going to be the cream of the crop, and then. I'm not sold on the, the Giants, and I'm not sold on the Padres, and that's why I think you know Colorado and Arizona, no chance. So that's why I think you could see three three teams from this division. Well, I'll be taping the NL Central tomorrow, so I'll save my thoughts on there. But the NL East, I got 93 for the Braves, Phillies at 88, Mets at 87, Marlins at 82, Nationals at 59. I do think this indeed is – actually the best division in the national league this year yeah four over 500 yeah i think it, i think it's legit and like you mentioned i think the reds and the cubs uh i actually don't think the cubs are going to be terrible no this year. Be, they think they're going to be really good um we'll see but they no they're I, yeah I, I don't see it but we'll no see. i don't th- they, they don't think they're going to be really good but i do I think that <laughs> they, Given they, what the roster looks like, I hope not. I, I actually think the fans think they're going to be terrible, and I think they might be better than the terrible that they're expecting. But that's not necessarily good. I just think that what they're going to do is that I think the Reds and the Pirates are going to play 36 games against those teams, so division record might look a little better. But they're not contending for a postseason berth. But I do think the Brewers and the Cardinals will both be solid, good, competitive teams. I think it'll be a two division race. Um, but I do think that, yeah. And then in the NL West, I mean, we'll get to that next week when I cover that division, but yeah, a lot of questions with the Padres, a lot of questions with the, yeah. with the giants for that matter. So I do think this will be the best division in the national league. Sounds like the door is open. Yes, it is. All right. I know Jordan, you got to run. So, uh, thank you guys. This is a lot of fun. This yeah. is great. Jack, thanks for having us on. We'll have to. Uh, we might have to revisit this one because we all had really because high this hopes. This is the All Star break. Yeah. <laughs> this so when t- Miami's thirty and fifty six at the All Star <laughs> break, I can, I can get on you. Yeah, I like I like this trio here. Yeah, we'll see about Miami. <laughs> Hey. I'll probably be like 20 games over 500. Yeah, watch. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Jordan, you first. Anything you want to plug or promote? Any closing words before we say goodbye for now? No, no, I think I'm good. But as I always, thank you for having me, Jack. It was a blast. All right, how about you, Mick? No, I think we covered everything. Just uh, go Phillies. That's all I got to say. Go That's Phillies. Right. Stay healthy, That's Phillies. Right. Stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, let's, uh, let's try to do a game this year. That'd be fun. Sure. It would be yeah. fun, yeah. I've never been. Never been to Philly, actually. Well, you'll, lo- you'll love the ballpark here. It's awesome. Ooh. It is. Yeah. Really good food, too. Oh. <laughs> and the beer is cold, right, Jordan? Yeah, and the beer is cold. That's right. That's what I love the most about the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> or any ballpark, for that matter. True. Right? True. <laughs> ballpark right. dog and a ballpark beer. You can't beat it. Don't they have, like, a donut sandwich or something like that? Well, I haven't had that one. Jordan's not. I know Jordan's not an adventurous eater, no. but I am. He's not an adventurous eater. He, no. he sticks with the cheeseburger and fries. <laughs> no matter what ballpark I'm at, for sure. There's like every night at Valpo. It's like Jimmy John's or Burger That's King. Right. <laughs> one of the big three. Jimmy John's. Uh, yeah, Chipotle is right there. We had our, oh, and uh, Culver's. Culver's was the big oh, one. Yeah. Can't go wrong with Culver's. Well, that, that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much, and uh, we'll check in sometime later this season. All right, Jack. We'll see you. Hey, Jordan. Good luck tonight. Yeah.
Thank you. Big kickball game tonight. All right. <laughs> All right, guys, that does it today for our episode of the Jack Vita Show. Make sure you all subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Log on to jackvita.com for more content. We'll be back. Uh, oh, we also had a good, fun college basketball podcast the other day with Lexus Williams, former Valpo and Boise State player, and now he's a coach at Boise State. He's doing a great job as an assistant over there. Final four this weekend. We'll have a final four slash national championship uh, show sometime next week. And then we got three more of these previews to run through. We got AL Central, which I think I'm doing with Clarence Black, but Clarence hasn't given me a time. So we may have someone fill in for him. We'll see. Uh, but then NL Central with Ryan Packett and then NL West with Albert Destrade. Should make for a great time. Um, also, give my playoff picks when we touch on our final division. So we're halfway home now. Uh, hope you hope you guys are enjoying it. You can follow me on social media at Jack Vita Show. And uh, yeah, great. Mo- a lot more content coming soon. Log on to my site JackVita.com and subscribe to this show wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. Until we get to the NL Central, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>